Good morning, friends. Man, I love getting to worship together. Crystal and Alex, thank you guys so much for your hearts for Jesus. Thank you for the way that, that you prepare just in your own living room. You invite God's presence there and you open up your hearts to worship Him and to help lead us into His presence. Just so grateful for you guys and your faithfulness. Friends, it, it warms my heart knowing that even while we're at this distance from each other, man, that in our hearts, we are aligned, worshiping Jesus, leaning into his presence, devoting time to be in his word. Um, and so now real quick, before we get into today's sermon, I've just got a, a quick reminder for all of you. Next Sunday night, October 4th at 6 p.m., we're meeting at Lakeshore Park for an outdoor worship gathering. Man, we're praying and believing you guys will come out and join us for this. Um, I think it'll be a powerful time to gather as a church family. It'll be great to see each other, to pray with one another, um, but man, ultimately to, to purpose in our hearts to be in God's presence together. I'm believing and expecting for big things to happen that night. Um, I'm believing God's gonna show up big time and, and minister to our hearts and touch our lives and that we're gonna be able to rejoice to worship him and to link arms together. And so plan on joining us next Sunday night, October 4th at 6 p.m. All right, and now it's my great privilege to introduce Pastor Dave Buring. He did an awesome job last Sunday, and now we're moving into part two of his two-part series in the book of Luke. And so let's lean in, let's listen up, and let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us as Pastor Dave opens up God's word. So Pastor Dave, we're excited, we're eager, and now you can take it away, my friend. Good morning, Grace Chapel. Well, since I was last with you last Sunday, we have officially moved our calendars from the summer to the fall. And when that happens, my wife will often remind me, Dave, after the summer, you're not supposed to wear white. But you know what? She's not here. She's visiting a friend. And it's UT football time, and I'm with my friends in Knoxville. So I throw this on, and I'm wearing it today. Go Balls. So I hope last week when we were together looking at Luke chapter 4 that that was a blessing to you. I hope it was something that allowed you to take a little time to see maybe where the enemy in those areas that we looked at in that story of the three temptations of Jesus, where the enemy still tends to poke and prod at you, where he harasses you, condemns you, tempts you, so that you can strengthen those areas, drawing upon the word of God just like Jesus. Remember, Every time Satan came and said, well, if you do this, Jesus responded with, it is written. And it's a good reminder for us to pull upon the word of God, as that is our sword of the spirit from Ephesians 6, that we can win the war with. So I hope that you've been practicing that this week. And if not, aim to do so this week, because God wants you to be an overcomer. And using the word that's been sown in you helps you be an overcomer in daily life. Now today... We're going to look at Luke 13 to 24, where you've been reading, but I'm going to reference something that we see throughout the whole book of Luke. Matter of fact, it's something we see throughout the whole scriptures. And one of the things that we need to consider here with Luke is next to Matthew in the New Testament, Luke speaks about the kingdom of God more than any other of the 27 books. It's mentioned about 44 times, depending on your version of the Bible, in Luke, and about 53 times in Matthew. And Matthew refers to it a little differently. He refers to it as the kingdom of heaven. Now, just to, to make sure you understand, they're the same thing 
it's the audience that Matthew is speaking to. See, Matthew's book is a book written by a Jew, Matthew, to Jews about a Jew, Jesus. So the language that he chooses is important. And because he was writing to Jews who so reverenced the name of God that they wouldn't even speak it, he called it the kingdom of heaven. So as you read Matthew, as you read Luke, as you read the New Testament, when you see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, they are one and the same. And so I want to talk to you today about this. It's the central message of Jesus. Like if you just read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and say, what did Jesus talk most about? You would find that he talked most about the kingdom of God. And so it's an important topic. It's a topic that we need to understand and know about. Now, before I jump into Luke here on this, I want to just tell you this. There's a difference between the kingdom or the kingdom of God and the church. They're not one and the same. The kingdom of God is the overarching piece, and the church is the citizens and the carriers of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom is the bigger thing. It's the bigger message. It's the message we need to get inside of us to be able to understand and walk in. For example, in, in Matthew, we see Jesus tells them to lay hands on the sick, and when they recover, tell them the kingdom of God has come upon you. It's like the kingdom of heaven breaking into earth and touching people's lives. Well, Luke is full of this 44 times in my particular version of the Bible, the ESV. And I want us to look at the ones from 13 to 24. And then I'm going to circle back at the end when we make some application in, in your role in the kingdom and look at two of the pieces on the front end in the book of Luke. So grab your Bible and turn with me to Luke chapter 13. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the verses because I know they'll be in front of you and you can take notes and go back to them. But because I want to hit uh, several things as we go, I'm not going to read them, but I'm going to highlight for you some of the meanings about the kingdom. So before I define it, I want to let the word of God speak a little bit about the kingdom to you. So now that you're there at Luke chapter 13, would you pause and let's pray together and let's ask the Lord for wisdom and insight today. All right. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to talk about a topic that you were very excited about when you were here on this earth. You spoke of the kingdoms all through the Gospels. And because of that, your disciples advanced it and spoke about it as well. And Lord, as we look at the kingdom of God, I know that for some this will be a great review and encouragement. But for others, this might be new territory. And I ask, Lord, in your name, in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, that you would give us wisdom and insight as we look at this in Luke and as we define it and as we look at our role in the kingdom of God today. Lord, would you use this to energize us to live each day for the advancement of your kingdom? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So go there with me to Luke chapter 13. And we're not going to look at all the passages between 13 and, and 24. I think there's about 25 of them, but I'm going to grab a handful of them. And as we go through this, I just want to provide you with some insights on the kingdom of God. And then we'll take a look at defining it, okay? So... In Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 through 20, Jesus speaks of the kingdom of God in very practical terms. And he tells us that it's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of seeds, and that it's also like leaven. So let's just look at these for a moment. So the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and that when it is, the seed is planted in the garden, 
this, the tree slowly grows. And, and if you've never seen a mustard tree, it's pretty good size, all right? And it grows to the point that birds can nest in it. So it's planted, it grows quietly, and it becomes a home to birds, all right? Now, when we, we think about it being leaven, it talks about how it is put in the dough. And when it's put into the dough and it begins to be stirred, it's hidden. It's something that's not just seen. It's got like a lot of bells and whistles and symbols, you know, drawing attention to itself. But it's there. And it's there in such a way that it leavens the, the complete lump of dough. So here's some, here's some things we can learn from this passage about the kingdom. That God is the one that plants it or begins to put it into the dough. And it's there quietly. It's maybe not seen by the world around us, but it's growing. It's growing to this big tree to such a point that it can house God's creation. It's leaven sown in, or stirred in is probably the better word, into the dough in such a way that that the whole dough is now completely leavened. And the thing that we need to understand about the kingdom of God is that it may grow slowly amongst us as a people. Again, it's not this loud, shout-me-down thing like we have in our culture right now, but it's meant to take over everything. First in our lives, but then as we're obedient to Jesus through our lives, that we're able to advance God's kingdom we are the dough, and it's been leavened into all of us. When we become Christians, God begins to build the kingdom of God within our lives. And it slowly grows and begins to take over all kinds of things. Our relationships, how we function in our family, how we view and, and walk in our roles and our vocations, how we look at the world around us, the lost, the church, it, it, it impacts all of us. Okay? So just... A seed of thought there for us from Luke. Look at the next one. Just a few verses down in verse 29. And it tells us that people from the east, west, north, and south will be a part or be in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom's aim is very broad. It's to hit the world, north, east, south, west. It's all-encompassing. And its aim is the whole world, the kingdom of God and its advancement. Look at uh, turn over a few chapters now to Luke chapter 16, verse 16. And it talks about the kingdom of God being preached. And, it, and if you look at, for example, uh, in Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 4, right after the temptation of Jesus, it says, and Jesus began to preach the kingdom of God. It's the thing that he preached. It, it's repent and turn towards the kingdom. Okay, repent. The kingdom of God will come upon you. See, it's 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 a kingdom that we're going to look at here in a little while and define a little bit better for you. Um, but it's it's made up of Jesus is the king and we're the citizens of the kingdom. Okay? And here in chapter 16, where we see the kingdom of God is preached and it says people enter into it forcibly. And the idea here behind that is, is to enter into the kingdom of God, you have to actively and purposely grab a hold of it. And we do that, as the Bible teaches us, through repentance a turning from living in the world towards the kingdom and moving in faith, living in faith, trusting in the king of that kingdom. So there's a forcible act. There's a choice of the will that we have to choose and embrace to steer our lives completely differently. Okay? 
Uh, look with me at Luke chapter 17, verse 21. Luke 17, 21. And it talks about the kingdom of God is among you or within you, depending on the version you have. And the idea here is, is this, this is a, a passage sometimes people um, have trouble with uh, being able to interpret. But let's look at it kind of both ways. The kingdom of, of heaven is among you. And it's basically Jesus saying, I'm here. I'm the king of that kingdom and I'm representing that kingdom. I'm here with you. So among you. But it also says the kingdom of God is within you. And you see, when, when you give your life to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes to live within your life, he's beginning to align all the pieces of your life towards the truth of the kingdom, which are revealed, of course, in God's word. But there's a kingdom realignment that's happening. So when all of a sudden you realize, oh man, my, my language, the way I say things is just not kind. It's not good. And we repent. We're realigning to the kingdom. We're realigning to the character of the king of the kingdom. And the Holy Spirit's role in us is to transform us to look more like people of the kingdom. All right. Um, Luke 18, next chapter over, verse 17. Luke 18, verse 17. Jesus is talking here about receiving the kingdom of God like a little child. So think of how a, a child receives things. Like I think of my grandchildren. They're three months old is the youngest, and Baron is ready to hit six here in about three weeks. So that's the age gap, and I've got four of them in between there. And so I can tell Baron a story, and as a child, he very simply believes it. He very simply trusts. Like if I put him up on the counter as a little boy, you know, when he was two or three, and I said, jump into Papa's arms, he wouldn't hesitate. He just, boom, just would fall right into my... See, there, there's a simple trust. There's a simple faith. And those that receive the kingdom have to receive it with simple faith. In other words, it's not complicated. We just need to receive it from God. All right? How about... Um, just a couple verses down, chapter 18, verses 24 and 25. And it talks about um, how it's difficult for the wealthy to receive the kingdom. Well, why is that? Is Well, it's because their dependence can be in other places. And their perceived um, sense of lack of need can cause them from looking in the right direction. And they can miss the kingdom of God. And so again, just another insight here that that's why sometimes we go, why in the world does the world not see it? Because sometimes they're distracted and they don't feel the need for the kingdom of God. Chapter 21, verse 31. Jesus just gives us some signs that, that the end is near. He talks there about the kingdom and it's coming. And as you're going to see when we define the kingdom, there's a past part of it, there's a present part of it, and there's a future part of it. So just hold on to that and we'll get there. But Jesus talks about um, signs that the kingdom is near at the end of days. All right. We also see in chapter 22, uh, the Lord's Supper, where, where Jesus is giving them, breaking the bread and giving them and passing the cup. And he makes an interesting statement here about not partaking in this again until the coming of the kingdom. And the reality is, Jesus, we will probably be having communion with Jesus all together in the kingdom. All right, and this doesn't flesh it out fully, but that there gives there's meaning to it that way. Like he he had the bread and the cup with his disciples there, but as the kingdom was fully coming, remember he had it with his disciples after the resurrection. He broke bread when he appeared to them in the room, and he's going to have it again with all of us 
in the kingdom of God when we're together. Again, just little snippets of insights on the kingdom. Let me just give you three other quick ones. Luke chapter 22, verse 29. It's interesting here because Jesus says that as the Father has assigned him as him a kingdom, he now is assigning the disciples a kingdom. And it's that same kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. And it's something that, again, we're citizens of and something that we carry inside of us wherever we go. And it can be released out of our lives whenever God desires to push it through us to touch other people. The kingdom of God. Chapter 23, verse 42, you might remember that on the cross, the thief said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Other verses, uh, other um, uh, gospels talk about remember me in paradise. And, but here's the kingdom. And so this man had somehow realized that I'm dying next to a king and he's got a kingdom. Remember me. And Jesus, of course, said that he would. All right. And the last one, just quick, is Luke 23, verse 51. And this is, it talks about Joseph of Arimathea in whose tomb Jesus was buried in. And it just describes Joseph there as someone who is looking for the kingdom of God. And we have to understand, again, just as background, that the Jewish people were looking for the kingdom. And they thought that the kingdom was going to come like, like say, the Roman Empire. And it was going to run over the Roman Empire. And Jesus instead in his teaching is saying, no, 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 it's going to come quietly like mustard seed. It's going to influence everything like leaven. And, and these passages that we looked at. And the disciples still, when you look at Acts chapter 1, you know, where Luke continues his writing on the kingdom, the disciples are, are asking Jesus if now is the time after his death and resurrection and before his ascension that he's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And Jesus is going, going guys, you still don't see it. All right. But over time, they begin to see what the kingdom of God was all about. So with that in mind, I, I just let me just add one other verse here. It's the very last verse of the book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 31. And just to so, show you the continuity of the message of the kingdom, it goes through the Gospels and on through Acts. In the very last book of, uh, verse in the book of Acts, Paul, is, we're told there that he's still proclaiming the kingdom of God. We see it in Paul's letters. We see it throughout the rest of the Gospels. So again, I just want you to understand that the kingdom of God is this overarching message that Jesus carried and that we are now supposed to carry. And we, are, we express it being citizens of that kingdom. And then as we carry it in our lives, we can advance the kingdom daily. There'll be times that Cheryl and I, just to be real practical about it in our lives, when we're heading to bed that night, I'll say, "Hun, how did you advance the kingdom today? Or she might ask me that. How did you advance the kingdom today? Because as carriers of it, we're supposed to be the ones that advance God's kingdom. Right? So let's give a little definition to this now. And then I want to talk about a couple of things from earlier passages in Luke that relate to our roles in the kingdom. All right? So the kingdom of God, and I'm reading some things directly here from a discipleship journey. Some of you have and are going through a discipleship journey right now and I believe it's chapter 10 is called Advancing the Kingdom. So I'm just reading from that. The kingdom of God encompasses God's redemptive work seen throughout the scriptures and in history. It could be considered the central theme of the entire Bible. The biblical vision of the kingdom of God is the greatest vision anyone can possess. Of course, next to your vision of seeing Jesus, all right, of seeing who he is and what he's done for you and you're responding to him. The next important vision you can have is the vision of the kingdom of God. It allows men and women to engage in a purpose, 
calling, and destiny that are full of hope, is eternal in scope, and is worth giving our lives for. That's the kingdom of God. That's the breadth of it that we're talking about. It is the single truth that unifies and empowers the people of God in every generation to include every tribe, language, people, and nation. And the scripture speaks of the kingdom of God in three stages. So let me explain these briefly to you. The first stage is past. Like the kingdom came when Jesus came. Jesus brought the kingdom of God. But it's present with us now. All right? His kingdom is present with us now. In and through us individually and together as the people of God. We're carriers of, of the kingdom of God to the world around us. But it's also future fully revealed in Jesus' coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So it's a past thing. It's a present thing with us, in and through us now. And it's something that we look forward to coming as well. Obviously, when we're in heaven, we'll experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. All right? So when we define it, uh, I want you to think about it this way. We, we use the word kingdom. In our culture, it's not something we use often. Other cultures do more frequently. But when you think of, of a kingdom, you think of like a nation, okay? And in a nation, there is a king or a president or a ruler. There is citizens of that kingdom. That's something we need to realize. It's it's also has a specific geo, uh, geographic territory, like we have the state of Tennessee, like the mayor of Knoxville has been delegated authority there to lead. But just because you know he's traveling to Nashville, he, he doesn't. There, there's a mayor here that has jurisdiction over there, so it's over a specific territory. Okay, and then the fourth piece is there are laws and a government that administrates its laws within the kingdom. All right, so if we look at this through the eyes of heaven, one of the things that we, we will recognize that in heaven, Jesus is the king of that kingdom. We have citizens of the kingdom that are already there who have died and gone on ahead of us who are alive there. There's those of us here. So the kingdom is both there and here, okay? And the there gives us a sense of past and future, all right? So the kingdom is both here and there. And there are, uh, there are laws or, or spiritual principles from the scripture that we are to walk in. And when we walk in those things, we walk in God's ways, there's fruitfulness here in our lives. Well, in heaven, the character of God is always fully on display, and the ways of God are always walked in, and the mission of God is always being accomplished. And so when you look at heaven, we see what the kingdom of God looks like. God is always glorified there, always. His ways are always walked in there. His character is always blowing people away. All right? That's the kingdom of God. And again, what's supposed to be carried by us to the world around us. Okay, let's keep going. All right? Just want you to think about this. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is the ruler and king. Those who submit to his lordship, follow Jesus, become the citizens of the kingdom. And God's character, ways, word, and will form the foundation of it. The territory of God's kingdom is every part of creation that is yielded to his lordship. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't rule over all. He does. But in a practical way for you and I to understand it, those who've given their lives to Jesus, who declare that he is Lord, his rulership, his kingdom can be expressed through their lives. That's you and me. 
Like, guys, this is something to be really excited about and to realize that God has invited us to advance his kingdom with him. Incredible, okay? Jesus gave us a picture of the kingdom when he taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now note this, on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's character is on display, his ways are honored, his word is obeyed, and his will is done. God desires the happenings on earth to be likewise. Now we're going to circle back to this as a practical way of how we can pray. So just hang on to that, all right? Because God loves us and wants the best for our lives, he desires us to walk according to his character, ways, his word, and his will. This means basing all truth upon the king of the kingdom. It means growing in the working knowledge of the ways of his kingdom and intentionally applying his word to our lives and obediently following his lead. So the kingdom of God can be simply defined as the arena where Jesus rules and his will is being done. The arena where Jesus' lordship rules and his will is being done. That's the kingdom of God. And so when you and I walk under the lordship of Jesus and we walk in his will and it's being done through our lives, we are advancing his kingdom. See, so this, this applies to everything in our lives. So if God has said to you, and I'm making this up, if God has said to you, I want you to get up every morning and I want you to spend a half an hour with me and you obey his will that he's revealing to you as a citizen of the kingdom, you're advancing his kingdom. Well, how? The word is getting in you, so the kingdom's being muscled up in you. You're praying through your prayer list, and therefore the kingdom is being advanced. You are worshiping with the angels in heaven, and therefore exalting the king of the kingdom. You see, the kingdom is supposed to be advanced through you and me. And if we don't do that, then his kingdom is not advanced. Now, does that mean that God's not big enough? Well, of course he's big enough. But he's chosen to do it through jars of clay, you and me. Like we have the privilege of being ambassadors of his kingdom wherever we go, wherever we are. We're ambassadors for the kingdom of God, representing the king of that kingdom. All right? So let's talk a little bit about our role in the kingdom of God. And I want to point you back to two things from last week's reading in Luke. All right? So look with me first at Luke chapter 11, verse 2. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. And this is Luke's version of Jesus' teaching about the Lord's Prayer. And we were just here a minute ago. And here in that prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. In Matthew 6, 10, it's fleshed out a little bit more and says this, which you're familiar with. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is the way that we are supposed to pray. God, as on as in heaven, so on earth. Think about that. As in heaven, where your character's on display, your ways are being walked in, your mission's being accomplished, your word is exalted and being obeyed, your will is being done. As in heaven, so on earth. That's how we're to pray. God, would you move in such a way like that? And it begins, of course, in your own life. But you can pray that over your family. God, I pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven in the life of my son, in the life of my daughter, in the life of my grandchildren. We can pray that, and I've done this before. I remember sitting in a Dairy Queen one day and 
Cheryl and I were just having, I don't know if it was dessert or a meal, but a, a boy, a teenage boy came in and as he walked in, you could tell that he was pretty messed up just in the condition of who he was, the way he looked, the way he carried himself, um, kind of the depression and hardness that was there. And I just mumbled underneath my breath, God, would you meet that young man? See, I could pray that the kingdom of God would meet that young man. Do you know that you and I can daily, like, like if you ever say, how do you fulfill that portion in 1 Thessalonians 5 about pray without ceasing? Prayer deposits. Prayer deposits. I remember one time coming out of a store and I was walking to my car and, and I was parked the steering wheel here and this car had backed in. And so in this back seat here was a little boy. And so as I was coming around like this, behind my car, I could see in that window and there was a little boy, couldn't have been more than one, one and a half years of age. As I'm getting in my car, I do a prayer deposit over him. Lord, would you send messengers and godly mentors into that young boy's life? Would you bring people that would lead him to Jesus, disciple him in the ways of the God that he might fulfill the purposes that he was born? 10 seconds, that's it. But a prayer deposit for the purpose of advancing, of advancing God's kingdom. Do you know that if you live your life in this way, it can be transformative? Because all of a sudden, you A, see needs around you, and B, God gives you a heart for it, and you pray that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven, over that person's life. And we can do the same over situations. Like, have you prayed that throughout the coronavirus epidemic in our country and in the world? Have you prayed this over racial issues that have spilled over into the streets, some into peaceful protests and some into riots? See, no matter what's going on, you and I can pray over our lives, over our families, over our relationships, over our communities, over our nations. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. It's like pulling heaven into earth. This is how we're to pray. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And so one of the ways that you can execute things in the kingdom is by making it more and more a part of your prayer life. As Grace Chapel Knoxville, imagine what could happen if you went to the dark places of Knoxville. I mean where there is drug addiction, where there is murders, where there is chaos, and you prayer walked it. You just prayer walked it. Nobody might know you're not walking around with your eyes closed, but you're just walking in the neighborhood, but you're speaking out prayers. You're speaking out life of the kingdom of God. Do you realize the difference that can make? I have watched that happen. I've watched things change as people have owned, whether it's families or communities, where they have gone in and prayed the kingdom and to see God's kingdom come and make a difference. Because in his kingdom is God's character and God is full of light and light then begins to flood darkness. And as that happens, transformation is knocking on the door. People of God, pray the kingdom of God where you see needs over people, over your community. Ask God to make you a church that exhibits and advances the kingdom of God. Pray that way. That's one of the roles we have as kingdom citizens. All right? Let me give you one other one. We see this in Luke chapter 12, verse 31. And Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom. To seek the kingdom of God. In Luke, it says, seek the kingdom. It's cousin verse, parallel verse, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, food, drink, clothing, will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom. I want to ask you a question. In light of all that you do in daily life, 
do you seek first the kingdom of God? And, and just so you know, seek first there means seek first. Is it something that you recognize that's why you're still here? Like, like why when you gave your life to Jesus, because we know how much he loves you, did he not snatch you and just bring you home to heaven? It's because there's a role for you in the kingdom that you still have. There's a role for you to play in Knoxville, in the nations, if God would call you there, in your family, modeling the character of the king of the kingdom for your kids, that they see what Jesus really looks like. We have the opportunity every day in every decision we make to reference the kingdom of God. How will this advance the kingdom? It might be changing the way a person sees Jesus because of the way you serve them. It might be the way that you speak to somebody in relationships. It might be the way that you lead on the job, that you are committed to your employees, even above the mission. You see, God gives us the opportunity to express and advance his kingdom in a mighty way. So I want you to think about how does seeking first the kingdom affect your family life? How does it affect your vocational role? You know, we're living in a time right now where there's the language of systemic racism is ever before us. Have you ever considered that you, like let's say you inherited the leadership of a company. Have you ever considered that you might be able to run kind of the grid of your company and its policies through the grid of the kingdom of God and remove any systemic racism that might just be hanging on there? See, that's advancing the kingdom. And again, it's not blowing the horn, clanging cymbals, but the leaven in you is getting in the whole lump of dough, so much so that when someone takes a bite of that dough, they taste the kingdom of God. Wow. Jesus has invited us to co-mission. How might, how might you seeking first the kingdom adjust how you serve in and through Grace Chapel? How might, have you ever looked at it? It's, it's, you guys, it's really not just about, well, I don't really want to do that. And I know Amy has said, and just, I, it's asking God. I know Jake and Amy. I know the leadership of your church. They want you to seek God and say, God, what's the thing you would have me grab a hold of to serve in and through Grace Chapel? It's not just whether we feel like it or not, whether it's, God, what are you saying to me? So our families, our vocations, our church, and, then, and let me give you one, one last one here. Your, the role in your community. How, how might Jesus want to express his character, the character of the king of the kingdom through your life? How might he want to demonstrate the goodness of his ways through how you live and lead so the world around you can get a better taste of what the kingdom of God is all about? The kingdom of God is attractive because God is its king. Therefore, the church should be attractive because the citizens of that kingdom worship that God. People of God, precious flock of Grace Chapel, I commend to you the kingdom of God. This is just such the tip of the iceberg. And I just wanted to present it in a very practical way today. But can I encourage you to dig deeper in the scriptures on the kingdom? And pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And obey in such a way as you seek first the kingdom and watch what God will do in and through you. May God richly, richly bless you 
dear friends of Grace Chapel. Cheryl and I look forward to sometime soon coming over to hang with you again.